Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you've tuned in, logged on, gotten out a Bible to read along as we look at the Psalms. And well, what is our text for today? We're going to read Psalm 1 again. This is such a brief little psalm. I think it's going to be good for us to just read it every day and try to get a fresh fresh feel for it as we ah, as we read through it every it's day. Beautiful so psalm. this is Psalm 1. I am reading from the English Standard Version again. It says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night." He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we began talking yesterday about the choice we make, the path we want to walk. And I thought you made a really good observation uh, by pointing out that it's not just about destinations. It's actually the path you're choosing today. That's what we have before us, and that's what matters. And right along with that, then, in making that choice is going to be our attitude towards God's law. Torah Uh, The word itself, which is the word used here for law in verse 2, delighting in the Torah of the Lord and on his Torah, uh, that, that word can mean, it has the idea of direction or path or way. And so we we see the contrast then between the way of God, the Torah, the direction that he gives, the map that he provides, versus the way, the counsel of the wicked, the way of the sinners, the seat of the scoffers. Well, I think that's helpful that you say that. Um, for me, I guess I would say I I haven't often thought of the word law in terms of a way or in terms of a path. Probably my associations with law are more like, uh, well, I guess a lot firmer, kind of like thou shalt this and thou shalt not that. Well, now look, now let me. I'm not saying it's like the pirate's code. Okay. Okay. I'm not right. saying. No, I appreciate that clarification. Yeah. But, <laughs> we're, we're not saying it's more of a guideline. Guidelines, really. You know, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it's God's law, but I, just that that picture of what is the law. Well, it communicates a goodness about it that yeah. if we uh, appreciate, if we respect, if we obey this code given us by God, then that creates a way, a good path, and a path of blessing. And so you see, law as a as a blessing in itself, and not strictly in terms of what the punitive. Well, rather than just a code of conduct, rather than an arbitrary code of conduct, maybe that's the way we should do it. Rather than okay. rather than an okay. arbitrary code of conduct, as if God was in heaven saying, "Hmm, well, how do I want to restrict the people today? What you know, what what hoops can I make them jump through today to see if they're good enough to do this? And if they're good enough at doing this, then we'll be okay." Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that arbitrary, but but it is. I, I like the idea of the picture of map. Okay. Uh, and especially, you know, backing up, because what this says is delighting in God's law. Mm-hmm. When we mm-hmm. just think of it as an arbitrary set of restrictions or requirements, mm-hmm. it's hard to delight in that. 
Yeah. I don't delight in that. When I think someone has just established arbitrary rules so that they can find reasons to punish me, yeah. it, I, I don't delight in that very much. But if someone has put up boundaries for your protection and for your good, mm-hmm. you know, th- then we appreciate that a lot. I, I think about the analogy, I guess, of guardrails. Sure. Yeah, you know, that uh, maybe you don't even think about them a whole lot as long as you're, you're staying in between them. But, you know, if you if you blow a tire going around a curve and there's a steep embankment, you're glad that guardrail's there. Well, I'm, okay, so you bring up this idea of guardrails and driving on a curve. One of my favorite illustrations of this are laws of the road. Now, I know okay. we all struggle maybe with some parts of it and we don't like to be limited to 35 miles an hour in the neighborhood i understand that so there's the part it's of that more that of a guideline that's more of it yeah <laughs> we might say that <laughs> uh probably shouldn't but probably yeah shouldn't. we can probably shouldn't but in general when we look at the laws of the road that is something i can delight in i'm very happy for that mm-hmm. sure it frustrates me when i'm stuck at a red light trying to turn into my neighborhood but it's because of the red light and the green light and the lines on the road and the laws about speed and the laws about right of way that I actually have freedom to even drive on the road. Freedom to travel. If it weren't for the law of the road, that would be a much more frightening prospect, a much more dangerous prospect. And there would be some who would probably still be willing to try it. I think there are some countries that are like that. And I've seen film and it's scary <laughs> and frightening. But here I have I might freedom. have driven in a country like that, but I, go ahead. <laughs> uh, here we, we have freedom to drive with relative safety. And I know there are accidents and wrecks, usually because people haven't followed the law. That's right. They break those laws. They break those laws, and it produces these problems. And even, even sometimes when they're breaking the law because they, they think they're doing someone a favor. One of the things I learned a long time ago was more wrecks are caused by people trying to be nice. Mm. You know, I'm going to give right away. That happened to my son just recently. Someone was trying to be nice and they waved someone in front of him and the guy ended up pulling out right in front of my son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the police officer pointed out as he was talking to both the other driver and my son, you know, had talking about my son, had he been driving a motorcycle, we'd be having a much different conversation right now than we're having. Yeah. It could have been life threatening. Yeah. So what what made that dangerous is somebody trying to be nice broke the law. Mm -hmm. And that but when we have the law. And follow that law. It's it's generally a very safe, protected activity. I can delight in that kind of law. Absolutely. It's not it's not just an arbitrary. And so to so so to get the the goodness of this law, the delight in it, um, the the blessed man mm-hmm. is taught to meditate on it. Meditate on the law. But before so, we start, I, I want to talk about meditation. But before we do okay. that, can, can I can I pull us back to the law part of it? Well, sure. A little bit more, sure. and, and give me about two minutes here, because one of the things my other favorite illustration, okay, is the idea of a map. Okay. Because there, there's a sense in which a map itself is a law. All right. It says, hey, if you want to get to Chattanooga, this is the way you go. Mm-hmm. Now I can completely ignore the map. I can go the opposite direction. I can violate the instructions of the map. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get you – know, there's nobody looking over my shoulder saying, you have to follow this direction of the map or I am going to punish you. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what the punishment is. I never get to Chattanooga. Yeah. And that's one of the things about this law, this Torah, this way of God. God is showing, here's where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you how to get to me. If you ignore the instructions of this map, of this way, you don't get me. Right. And the thing that we need to understand is that being separated from God is so awful, so tormenting, so torturous 
that that's where that, that's the punishment. And if we decide, I don't want you, God, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to push you away. There's a point at which God does give us up to our own freedom and that, and, and that's what we call hell, ultimately. Well, I guess to tag on to that, what's frightening then is this psalm contemplates that there are other voices calling you away from that path, calling you away from that way. The, these sinners, these scoffers, right? And and the punishment is a very natural punishment. I follow their way, which goes away from God. Just like if I don't follow the map, I don't get to Chattanooga or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to get to my friend's house or my family's house. I don't get to enjoy my friend or my family because I haven't followed the way. Yeah. If I don't follow God's way, I don't get God. And that's punishment enough. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's not, again, it's not going to be like an eternity of being grounded in your room and you get used to it. It's, it's, being separated from God is torment and torment. agony. Just imagine that kind of existence. Other hopelessness and darkness. Yeah. So so with that in mind, now, I, I just wanted to make sure to get to share that with you also. You wanted to move on to the idea of meditating. So where were you well, going I, there? Well, where I was going there was just to say that um, if we want to walk God's way, we need to go, know God's way. And the psalmist talks about meditating, delighting and meditating on this law. And I think it's good to point out that, again, the word meditation is one that um, in our modern vocabulary, I think almost communicates the different idea than, than what we have in the psalm here. Because I think the, when we use the word meditate today, so many times it's overlaid with these concepts of Eastern religions, Far Eastern religions, New Age religions. And the goal of meditation is an emptiness of mind. An emptiness of mind. Empty yourself. Blank your mind. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Breathe and send yourself and no thought, no thought, no thought. And I don't believe that is... What the psalmist is telling us at all? Not at all. Now, look. I, I guess I will admit that if you're if you're going through that kind of practice, I'm not against as breathing a, as a calming uh. exercise, <laughs> as a relaxing exercise, a de-stressing kind of exercise. I'm cool with that. That's fine. If if what you want to do is kind of empty your mind so that all the stresses of the day are gone, and I'm just going to breathe, and I'm going to focus on my breathing for a few minutes. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. If you are doing that as a spiritual practice, if you are doing that as a practice that's somehow supposed to get you closer to God, I just want you to know that's one of those other voices. Yeah. That's one of yeah. those other counselors because that's not there's there's nothing in scripture that says what you want to do is empty your mind. If I and of course I'm being distracted right now because we're in this non-soundproof studio and they're cutting the grass outside and, <laughs> and we appreciate them doing that we also. Do. Who, who knows how many days of this week they'll be doing that while we're recording. But uh, you know, th- this idea and that's one of those times when you do de-stress. You say, okay, I'm gonna empty my mind of those things. But if it's spiritual and I'm trying to connect to God this way, please understand that the basis for that is the idea that the entire universe is God. It's the pantheistic idea of Hinduism and New Ageism. And it's the idea Mm. that everything is God. And so what I have to do is empty myself of every thought because my thinking focuses on me as an individual. And I need to realize I'm not an individual. I am one with the universe. When you hear people saying that, empty your mind, become one with the universe, that is based on false teaching about God. It Mm -hmm. is wrong and it's not a practice that we're supposed to be pursuing. Our job is not to empty our minds so we can connect with God. Our job is to fill our minds with God. That's right. Concentrate and meditate upon him, particularly his law, his word. Uh, the minister has taught this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15. 
meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. What we are taught as Christians is to be filling our mind with the Word of God, with the truth, the doctrine of Christ. And this is how we will know God and delight in His law that we give bandwidth to the Word of God, that we give attention and focus to the Word of God. I thought you were going to go to Philippians. I think this goes right along with that. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Meditation in, in the Bible is not emptying your mind of thought. But it's filling our minds with thought. It's filling our minds with the thoughts of God's things. It's yeah. it's it's pushing my mind in a direction rather than making my mind directionless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think it is a, is a challenge to us to uh, build up some concentration and dedicate time in order to do this. Well, it it is tough to focus your mind on something. Here's one of the things that I found. I know you do this. Andrew, when uh, like in sermon preparation and lesson mm-hmm. preparation, you mm-hmm. do something called mind mapping. Yes, I do. Where you pull out a piece of paper and you whatever the thing you want to think about, you write it down, and then you just start drawing lines to whatever else your mind focuses on. I've actually used that of late to help direct me in my meditation on God's Word. I'll mm-hmm. pull mm-hmm. out something as, as I've gone through the Scripture. It talks about meditating on the great works of God, meditating on God's law. And so, okay, let's think about creation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I'll just write down creation on a sheet of paper, and then I just start writing down, okay, where does that lead me? And if my mind goes off to something else, I I have kind of this natural thing that's pushing me back to it. It's kind of like when I pray, I like to pray out loud, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I even like to uh, to write my prayers. And the reason for that is that when I'm just praying in my mind, sometimes I move from prayer to just thinking. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Uh, yeah. Or prayer to preaching sometimes. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I pray something and then all of a sudden I'm thinking, how would I say that in a sermon? And now I'm, I'm moving on. And, you know, sometimes it's preaching to myself. <laughs> when, I, when I pray out loud or when I pray writing, I know when I've stopped praying and it's when I've stopped talking. Uh, I don't always know when I've stopped praying when I'm just doing it in my mind. And I found the same thing with meditation. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm searching and reading and writing, I, that's that's pushing me to fill my mind with God's word. I'm not saying I'm an expert at it. I'm certainly not. But that's that's I know that's something that has helped me a lot as I'm trying to focus on prayer and meditation. Well, and it's a great way to be capturing thoughts and keeping our thoughts focused, which is what we want to do so that we delight in God's law. Uh, we hope that you are delighting in God's law. Send us an email what you're reading in the word of God. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. But as we sign off, Edwin, lead us in prayer. Glorious God. You are worthy of thought. You are worthy of meditation. We want our minds full of you. We don't want our minds to be empty. We don't want to become one with the universe. We want to become one with you. So we pray that you would fill us, that you would fill us in our hearts and our minds and our spirits, that our our minds could be dedicated to you, to things that are excellent, to things that are true, to things that are honorable. And Father, even as we have to focus in daily life on mundane things of what's going on in our day, paying bills, Uh, doing our jobs, going to school, interacting with our family and our friends. Those are wonderful things, but help us even then to be so full of you that our thoughts are directed 
by what we've learned from your word, from your will, from your law. We love you so very much. Thank you for giving us your will, giving us your law. Give us the strength and the attitude to delight in it. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. 